This is Dr. Jonathan Shaw. I want to thank you for tuning in to Crown Ministries Podcast today. We hope that this message transforms you and encourages you to pursue God's presence in a greater way. Enjoy the message. I want to share with you the word of the Lord today that I believe that the Lord has placed upon my heart for this season and this hour. And if you really need the Lord to talk to you today, I want you to shout real loud, talk to me, Jesus. I mean, for real, for real, if you need God to speak into your life and into your situation, just cup your hands forward and say, speak to me, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to begin a new series today that the Lord has ministered to me of something that I believe needs to be said. The Lord said he wants to say something. And he told me, he said, I'm going to use you as my oracle because I want to say something. Somebody just say, say it, Lord. I want to start a new series today that I think, Sister Jadita, it is important for us to hear the heart of God and understand where we are and who we are as believers. Not only where we are as a society and who we are as believers, but I want to deal with your character. I want to deal with your behavior. Mm. I need an intercessor to pray with me because we're about to go into spiritual warfare. And I believe that the Lord is going to help us because there's a change that's about to happen upon us. Turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. Chapter number 10. For the last couple of days, I've been taking a poll on social media. Asking the question about the importance of kindness. <laughs> and how valuable it is to you. And I got such a wealth of answers and responses that I have used as uh, resources to develop this series. Y'all didn't even know you was a pawn in my message development. Luke chapter 10, verse number 30 is where we'll begin the lesson. Luke 10 and 30. When you have it, say amen. They're standing in the sanctuary online. Y'all can stand up in your house too. You got your slippers on anyway. So stand up and read with us the word of the Lord. Luke 10, 30 reads thusly. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, his clothes, and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side of the street. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and he too passed on the other side of the street. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him, and he bounded up his wounds. And poured oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to a hotel and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he left and departed, he took out two pence and he gave it to the hotel keeper and said unto him, Take care of this man and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come back, I'll pay that bill too. Which now, Jesus asked, of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. 
Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Let it remain sanctified and separate in our hearts that we may not sin against him. Today I want to start a sermon series and I want to just speak to you from a sermon topic entitled, Be Kind. Or, Be Nice. Look at somebody and say, hey neighbor, you don't have to act that way. Be nice. <laughs> Find somebody else and say, hey over there. You don't have to be mean and nasty. Be kind. Last month, y'all was talking about Valentine's. Be mine. I want to tell you this month, be kind. Because you'll never have a mind if you're not kind. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us clear. Have your way. We press our ear to your mouth. Oh God, I thank you that at the end of this day, someone would say, I heard from heaven and I know what my assignment is. I pray, Lord, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, and give strength to my body. I thank you that every listening ear would be good ground, that they would receive the word. And they would grow thereby. It is in the name of the blood-soaked body of Jesus we pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen. Have your seats in the name of the Lord. Again, just say it real loud. Be nice. In my observation, our society has been on a decline when it comes to human relationship. Though we have more technology and devices to communicate, we do so less. And we do it less effectively. This generation has become so self-involved that it has birthed a foul sense of selfishness that literally stinks in the nostrils of God. Unfortunately, what most consider human ethics and morals have become pastime traditions that too many today feel are unnecessary in our society. We have removed common decency from our daily routine and it has caused a decay in our behavior. Y'all gonna preach with me a little while? We have failed to demand that our children operate in a way that is honorable, and noble, and it has released a generation of ratchet renegades. Our young people have lost their mind. But before we harbor on the bandwagon that it's only our children or just the youth that has abandoned societal politeness, we must admit that even older people have deserted kind behavior. That will consider one simply humane. It causes one, uh, Deacon Don Olatoken, to ask the question, who raised you? Where did you get your manners from? Were you raised by a pack of wolves? It is quite unfortunate that we consider common courtesy or politeness, chivalry, and decency dead works or dead behavior. These traits are still valuable and have a place in our world and life. Qualities like speaking in the morning when you see somebody. I wish I could talk like I'm talking the way I'm talking. I said speaking to people when you get up, even in the same house you live in, say good morning to me. When you see somebody, say hello. Don't just stare me down like I'm short. Say hi. Or simply apologizing when you bumped into someone or stepped on their toes in the street, on the bus, on the train. Just say, oops, I'm sorry. Human decency. 
more what I consider the basis. God, I feel this. Saying thank you when somebody has done something for you that they didn't have to. Just say thank you. Those kinds of qualities shouldn't go anywhere. Holding the door for people. <laughs> Opening the door for somebody. Pulling out a chair. These are great qualities, y'all, that all of us should possess. Look at y'all New Yorkers looking at me like you're looking. We should never allow the change of culture or the change of times to cause us to adjust our behavior. If so, we will witness a corroding of humanity. And unfortunately, we are frightfully close to it today. Nowadays, too many will stay. Ain't nobody got time for that. Or they ain't nice to me, so I ain't going to be nice to them. Look at look, look at y'all. Look at y'all. But this kind of mindset only displays a reactive behavior to someone who probably doesn't even know better. There is a difference between a reaction and a response. <laughs> a reaction is simply to react what has been initially acted. So if someone acts like a fool and you react to the fool, you have joined the foolish company. But a response is the trait of those who are responsible and have responsibilities. <laughs> so when I respond to you, I act like I have sense and I have others who depend upon my existence. So I can't go to the gutter and fight with you because I'm responsible and I have responsibilities and I can't act like the fool you are. God, don't simply react to someone's behavior. Our core values must be rooted and grounded in something far greater than reacting to someone else. As believers in Jesus Christ, can I talk for a little while? This feels good. We must take our orders and our example from him. As sons and daughters of the kings of kings, we must pattern our royal display of functionality from the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, act like you saved. Behave like you belong to Jesus Christ. Get rid of this ghetto fabulousness and this ratchet mentality. Yes, I agree that Jesus was a revolutionist and he changed the culture in the time of his day and became the gatekeeper and the gateway to a new way of living and believing. He set a line of demarcation in the world that millions could follow that changed what God was doing to what God is now doing. But he still did it with truth and politeness. He was brutally honest. But he was nice. Yes, he was straightforward, but he was kind. His behavior shows us that it is possible for truth and kindness to coexist. Unfortunately, Pastor Moore, this society has suggested if I'm going to keep it real, I got to keep it ghetto. Can I be real and intelligent at the same time? He lived in such a way, brothers and sisters, that it became possible to treat someone well and still love them into change. And when he wasn't received by many, he simply shook the dust from his feet and went somewhere else where someone would celebrate him and not merely tolerate him. It was no need to fight who didn't receive him. This shows us that decency is the behavior of the confident and the mature. While insecure and immature individuals are striving to be shady and come up with a witty comeback to make you feel small. Some of y'all are so shady. And it's just not nice. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, God, I feel good. If you're feeling uncomfortable right now because I'm after that devil in you. I totally believe that every believer needs to go through rigorous rites of passage that would teach and train him or her on the proper behaviors of a Christian. I believe we need systems of development for new converts to come and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how one should function in our world as a believer. I believe we need this. Most saints have never gone through a time of behavioral remodification that will show them the correct way to operate in the world that doesn't know or love our Jesus. Oh, yeah. We do have a system like that. It's called discipleship. <laughs> Unfortunately, too many saints have never gone through such disciplines and have never gone through discipleship. So they've never been trained and never been taught. And they've been left up to themselves to teach themselves what's right to do. Most saints do what's right in their own eyes. So while we love God and have truly given our hearts to him, we leave it up to a babe in Christ to raise themselves, to be led by what they interpret as correctness or what is proper. But I'm here to tell you, that's dangerous. You need to be taught. You need to be trained. You need to be developed. Let's go to the dictionary, can we? The word nice, let's define it. It simply means to be pleasant, agreeable, and satisfactory. To be pleasant. The Bible says in Psalms 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Let's ask the question, is it pleasant to be around you? Can I talk? Y'all don't shut down on me. Don't change the channel. We're going to get good after a while. Is it pleasant to be around you? Is it pleasant to have conversations with you? Is it pleasant to be next to you? Or is there a stifleness and a thickness with you? This is not the time or the message or the opportunity for you to point the finger at somebody else and talk about who's not nice and who's not kind. I'm talking about you. Let's stick with you. When, when we define the word kind, the word kind is having or showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. That's being kind. Having or showing a friendly or generous and considerate nature. It literally means your nature is kind. So kindness and niceness are two different things. To be nice is just a display of politeness. To be kind is part of your character. It's the fruit of the spirit, Elder D. And so then therefore the truth is, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, you can be nice, but that's surface. But you can never be nice if you're not kind. <laughs> kind is the root of niceness. And there are some people that says, but I was nice and I said it nice, but their heart is not kind. I suggest that you could either start this transformation from inside out by first determining to be kind to then birth being nice. Or you can start it by simply start being nice and those niceties will train your heart to be kind. However way you want to work on you, work on you. We become shady, short-tempered, ill-mannered, unpleasant to be around, impolite, and downright nasty. And still want to call ourselves saints and believers. God, I'm preaching good. We have adopted the world's culture that if we disagree, we have to become vicious enemies against one another. We act like Republicans and Democrats in the house of God. We don't have to fight because we disagree. We can still be nice. Talk like you're talking the way you're talking, son. 
we have allowed the tendencies of this world to slither in like a viper that bites us with this fangs of suggestions that we live in this world independently of everyone else and we have only to be concerned about ourselves. That's not godly. That's not nice. But today I've come to wage war on your nasty disposition. I've come to fight your impoliteness that you have managed to justify because somebody didn't do it to you. Brothers and sisters, if you're uncomfortable right now, it's because the demon I'm strangling is getting ready to come out of you. i come to tell you the truth that it does not please the Lord one bit for you to be cutthroat or mean to other people. That's not godly behavior. That's not the disposition of Jesus Christ and you can be none of his with your nasty self. You don't believe me? Let's look at the Bible. The Bible gives us clear directives to be nice and kind to one another. Ephesians 4.32. Put it in the comments, would y'all? Ephesians 4.32. Write it down, those of you that's taking notes. Ephesians 4.32 says this, and be kind one to another tenderhearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake had forgiven you be kind to one another be kind to be nice to each other look at your neighbor said be kind to me tenderhearted forgiving one another forgiving it's alright you got it even as God for Christ's sakes has forgiven you could it be, could it be, could it be, Sister Edna Massey, that the reason why we feel so unforgiven is because we have unforgiven? Could it be that we are not the recipients of his mercy because we are merciless? I'm trying to. And uh, the scriptures are encouraging us to be kind one to another. And before you think for a moment that your unkind behavior is justified because people themselves are not kind or they're evil. And so you think that you can repay their evil for evil. You better read your Bible. Luke 6.35. Write it down. Luke 6.35. Put in the chat for me somebody. Luke 6.35. It says this. But love your enemies. And do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. In other words, don't look for nothing back in return. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful. Ooh, and to the evil he is kind to the unthankful 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 in other words it's good manners for you to say thank you but if you don't say thank you you're not going to stop me from being nice you're not going to stop me from being kind I'm going to be kind anyway because he is kind even to who? The unthankful. That's the book, y'all. This text shows us that we ought to do it even if the recipient of our kindness is not kind in return. Kindness, let me help somebody, may not always be reciprocated. I need to go to the altar right now. And it certainly does not guarantee loyalties. Oh God, can I preach this Bible? Kindness does not guarantee loyalty. It doesn't mean because I was nice to you or because I was kind to you that you're going to stick and stay with me. You're going to still leave me. You're going to still walk out on, come on here. You got to understand that Jesus washed the feet of the disciple and just a couple of days after that, they turned around, betrayed him and denied him because I found out something, my God, uh, that even washed feet still kick. I'm trying to tell you that even because I wash your feet don't mean you'll turn around and kick me in my back later. Wash feet still kick. Kindness doesn't guarantee loyalty. Whew. Can I preach like I'm preaching the way I'm preaching? 
We aren't only commanded to be kind when others are kind. We're commanded to do it even if they're not kind. If they're downright evil. So your unkindness and impoliteness is not justified because of what others did to you. Can we read the book? Romans 12.10. Get your Bible. Put it in the chat for me. Romans 12.10. Write it down. Romans 12.10. Where am I going? Romans 12.10. It says this. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, prefer one another. We are encouraged to be kind to each other and also to prefer each other. Literally to put somebody else's needs in front of yours. That's the Bible. Colossians 3.12. I'm almost through. Colossians 3.12. I'm just feeling good. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind and meekness and long suffering here in this text we see that there are certain traits that the elect of God must have those who are holy which means kindness goes a long way kindness is a reflection of holiness don't tell me you holy and you're mean and nasty as a junkyard dog don't tell me you're holy because you got on a long white dress come on here but got more hell up that dress than anybody else don't tell me that you're godly and that you're elect of him and you can't even be nice Where did these mean tongue talkers come from? Where did these nasty, nasty holy dancers come from? When did we start that? He said, elect of God, holy and beloved. You got to operate with the bowels of mercy and kindness. Are we the elect of God? then we operate with mercy and kindness. I love this Bible. And if that's not good enough for you, we'll go on and I'll get to my text and we're going to get up out of here after we taste the Lord's Supper. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Every student of the Bible should know this one. This is that fruit of the Spirit scripture. Uh-huh. That says the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of not the fruits, take the S off there. The fruit is one fruit. It's one because it's only one Holy Ghost. It's one fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness. That word goodness there is kindness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, one of the ingredients of the fruit of the spirit is kindness. Oh God, I would suggest to you very humbly, brothers and sisters, that if you have no kindness, it's like eating fruit without seeds. It's good, but it ain't real, okay? It's good, but it's been manufactured. It's good, but it didn't come from God. It didn't come from the ground. Why? Because it doesn't, it cannot reproduce after its own kind. So fruit without seeds is a selfish fruit because it means it only wants to be devoured by itself. But there's no continuation in its existence because it birthed forth no seeds. But when you got seeds in your fruit, that means you reproduce more after your kind. In other words, you should have such a character trait that you can be duplicated. If the whole church act like you, what kind of church would this be? Can you be duplicated hey, God. this scripture suggests brother Tarek that if we don't have the spirit of God then we can't possess the qualities of kindness in all honesty if you have the Holy Spirit Excuse me, that's him. He will tell you when you're being nasty. If you got the Holy Ghost, he will tell you and quicken you and convict you when you're not being kind. Come on, let me have some truth talkers up in here. Have you ever gone home and was convicted by the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost said you shouldn't have said that? You shouldn't have done that? Some of you ain't even got to go home right there in the midst. Why are you talking? The Holy Ghost, what you say? Shut your mouth. Who told you to say that? Why are you being so nasty? Why are you being shady? Where all that come from? I don't know how God talked to some of y'all, but the way he talked to me is he always gathers me. He gets me together. 
with my Holy Ghost, I cannot be mean to you and still speak in tongues and dance and shout and he don't check me. I get checked. I get checked. Anybody get checked in here? When your life is completely surrendered by the Holy Spirit, he going to deal with you. He ain't going to let you sleep. He not going to let you eat. He ain't going to let nothing work out. It's that conversation going to go over and over in your head, over and over. You're going to stand in there and say, I should have said, you know what I should have said? I should have said such and such. I should have said, I should have closed my mouth. Why didn't I just walk away? Why didn't I just go somewhere else? You ever been convicted by the Holy Ghost? He deals with you when you're unkind and if you're downright not nice. If you can be nasty and unconvicted, check your Holy Ghost. Because you have a ghost, but it ain't holy. Preach, y'all. Today, our text is written by Dr. Luke. Come on. He writes of the accounts of Jesus. That will bring someone into salvation. In this 10th chapter, he shows us Jesus sending out 70 to go witness to surrounding cities. And Jesus warns of what would happen to these cities if these cities do not repent. These cities were engulfed with their own ways and had no intentions of changing. So 70 went out and witnessed to them and testified to them and saw great signs and wonders. And when they returned, they told Jesus what happened while they were out. They came back with excitement because they saw great signs and wonders. And they proclaimed that even devils were subject to them through Jesus' name. Jesus told them, that's nothing. I'll give you kind of power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. But more so, Jesus warns them, that they should rejoice much more than the spirits being subject to them, that their names are written in heaven. It's unfortunate that too many people want to have power to demonstrate on earth, but will never make it into heaven because they want to be impressive instead of being sanctified. While Jesus is talking and teaching his disciples this very valuable lesson, a lawyer stands up in the midst. Y'all still with me? In the crowd and with the intentions of tempting Jesus, he asks, so what, what should he do to in inherit eternal life? What should I do to inherit eternal life? The man asked Jesus, asked him, have you read your Bible? <laughs> and if so, what did you read? The man correctly responded. He said, I read that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and all our mind. He said, I also read that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Well, Jesus said, well, then do what the word says. You read it? Do that. God, I love this book. But the smarty pants lawyer responds, very shady. Well, then really, who is my neighbor? This inquiry was really to trick Jesus up because the village where they were was a melting pot of different nationalities, an ethnic mixture of different cultures and different kinds of people. So identifying a true neighbor was a challenge, but instead of Jesus responding to his shade with shade, Jesus just took him into a story, a parable, so he can get his answer. Jesus tells this parable that we have read to you today, this morning, and said, there was a man that was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Y'all didn't know I could be scripted, can I? Now, he tells him this story, and when he tells him this story, in the beginning, that it's clear that the man that's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho was a Jew man. Because this route is the route that Jews took all the time. So this parable paints a picture of a Jewish man traveling. He further exclaims that this man falls upon thieves. The thieves robbed him and beat the man half to death. The man was left to de for dead. But the story and the plot thickens. Y'all still with me? As Jesus tells it, he adds that when the man laying there dead like a bloody pulp, a priest walks by and sees the man after being robbed and beaten. And Jesus tells us that the priest <laughs> goes across the street and doesn't even tend to the man. Somebody say the preacher, the preacher. 
I, I said somebody said the preacher the preacher you got to understand in this day and hour when you mentioned priests you was talking about Caiaphas you was talking about those guys and those boys who was over the temple and over the synagogue who's supposed to be the picture of morality who was supposed to be the pictures of what was right and righteous the, 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 the priests are the guys that knows the laws of Moses and they know how to operate and they know how to function and they're supposed to have power with God but even the priest walks across the street brothers and sisters I'm so sorry to inform you and possibly you have witnessed it that we even have some impolite preachers we even got some folks with titles and collars who just don't know how to be nice I'm talking about individuals that want to get the microphone and scream and holler at you but will never say hello to you after service people that want to have an honorarium but are not honorable people who want to lay hands on you but would dare not speak to you the devil and his bald headed mama is a liar you gotta have kindness if you want to have an anointing it's a foul stench in the nostrils of God to have an unkind preacher a priest who won't even tend to the womb Ooh, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you're looking real guilty right now. A priest who won't even tend to a problem. <laughs> I'm here to tell every person in this room, what is the sense of you having an anointing if you don't have a burden? God only anoints those who have a burden to change and transform and to fix and to rebuild if you don't have a burden to make things better then you don't need an anointing because God only anoints those that have a burden in other words the question that I have for you is who is in, in society that you want to help that you want to bless that you want to lift up and pull up then God will give you the anointing for that community he will give you the anointing for that market if you don't like to see people hungry he gives you anointing to find food and fix meals if you don't like to see people sad he gives you the anointing of encouragement he gives you the anointing of happiness and joy whatever you have a burden for you receive an anointing to fix no burden no anointing what is a priest without the anointing he walked across the street he kept it moving. How many priests can see you bleeding and keep it moving? They want their name and lights, but when they see you bleeding, they want to give their time. Because nowadays we got priests and preachers who only want to be noticed if it can be televised. I only want to do it if it's lights, camera, and action. If I can post it up on my gram, come on here. If I can post it up on my Facebook to show how nice I was, then I want to do it. But how many of you can do it behind the scenes when you don't get no credit, when nobody saw you do it? Come on here. Because it's not something you do for attention. It's you, what you do because it's in your heart. God, I'm preaching good today. The priest walks across the street. He's supposed to be the poster child for everything that is moral and righteous. The priest is in charge of the soul. So not only did he see a bleeding man, there's a bleeding soul that you won't tend to. Now, 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 let me, let me say this because we're in 2021. It's a difference if he went to him and rejected his help. Let me talk to some of y'all out there that's shady right now because you're talking about right now you got a problem with a preacher because a preacher didn't come after you and a preacher didn't follow you and a preacher saw you bleeding and come help you. No, your preacher came to you, you rejected the help with your prideful self. There's some of you, when help arrives, you reject it because you think it's another thief, but it's a helper. You got to be careful that you don't treat the people like your present, like the persons in your past. Because sometimes when God sends you a priest, you reject it because you think it's another thief. I'm not here to rob you. I'm here to bless you. Even if when I touch you, it hurts because your wounds are still fresh. 
it doesn't mean I did it. It means I'm trying to fix it. It's going to hurt when I touch it. It's going to hurt. It's going to be a trigger when I get near it. But I didn't do it. It was somebody before I ever got here. Stop rejecting your priest and treating him like your thief. Anybody that touches a fresh wound is going to hurt. But let me tend to it. The plot thickens, Harry Sharp. The plot thickens when Jesus further adds to the story that the next person that walks by this wounded man is a Levite. Good God. The Levites are the picture of ethical practices. They are the ethical ones. They was in charge of the sacrifice. They was in charge of the temple furniture. While the priest was in charge of the sacrifice and the worship, the Levites was in charge of making sure that the worship goes in play and in order. They was in charge of the temple furniture. The Levites are accustomed to serving. And this was a perfect opportunity for them to serve. But the Levite missed the opportunity and he too walked across the street. That was not nice. People who say they like to serve, but when serving opportunities are presented, they walk across the street. You got to wonder, do you really like to serve or you like to be seen? The priest walked across the street and the Levite did too. How can you move furniture but won't move people? How do you want to control the lampstand on the table of showbread? And you want to be able to move things in the temple, but you can't move the soul of an individual. It's easy to move a chair. Can you move a soul? That's why you got to understand, brothers and sisters, there's a difference between an anointing and a gift. Help us. God, preach John Boy. Some people that we say anointed ain't anointed at all. Ain't no power in it. They're gifted. They can really sing. They can sing in every key behind the keyboard. And that's nice, that's sweet, that's cute. But that ain't doing nothing but moving chairs. I need somebody that has an anointing that can sing a one line and move my soul out of depression into encouragement and enlightenment. I need somebody to move this demon out of of my life when I'm fighting and Wednesday afternoon come on here somebody I don't need you to move my stuff I need you to move my soul and when the opportunity is presented to you you went across the street I'm talking to you he did not tend to the wounds of the man he was not nice mind you brothers and sisters the priests and the Levites were Jews they saw and clearly identified by his travel and his clothing you know he's a Jew I found out something Skin folk ain't kin folk. Sometimes it be your own. I'm trying to help some of y'all to really, I'm going to get paid today. Sometimes it be the ones that you expect to do it and you expect to show up for you. And it's them junkyard dogs that won't even come tend to your wounds, but they will walk across the street. Sometimes y'all, it be your own. I knew for sure that the priest would come help me. I knew for sure that the Levite would come bring me out. I knew for sure it would be my own that come through. But they walked across the street. Watch this, brothers and sisters. I got to go. Lastly, Jesus tells us that the next person that walks by is a Samaritan. Now, you must understand that the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. They were in deep, there was a deep history of animosity 
over territory, land, and offspring between the Jews and the Samaritans. It caused quarrels between the two nations. Samaritans and Jews will hardly even speak to each other. You remember when Jesus went to the well and the Samaritan woman met him there and she told him the Jews and Samaritans have no dealings with each other? What you doing asking me for water? You remember that? But a Samaritan came by the Jew. But this Samaritan witnessed that this obvious man who is Jewish is in agony. And he comes to his rescue. And Jesus said that the first thing he did when he saw this man as a bloody pope, he had compassion on him. Somebody say compassion. He had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. Which means the first trait you must have to display kindness is compassion. It's got to come, turn me down a little bit, it's got to come from your heart. <laughs> Somebody say compassion. The word compassion in this text, it means pity or deep empathy on the man. The first thing we need if we're going to be kind is, brothers and sisters, we need compassion. You know why some people are not nice? Because they have no compassion. And the root there of the word compassion is passion. <laughs> uh, so compassion is compounded passion. That's what compassion is. My passion is so compounded with empathy for you that I cannot just walk by and see you bleeding and see you dying and not do anything to help you or to rescue you. I have enough compassion to come and see about you and to do something that I possibly can do to help you. Look at your neighbor and say, where is your compassion? You can't have a burden if you don't have compassion. I'm almost through y'all. Where's your compassion? Where's your compassion? Somebody say compassion. compassion. The next move of the Samaritans, when he went to him, not only was he moved with compassion, uh, but the, uh, he moved into action. Because the scripture says that Samaritan was first moved with compassion and then he went to him. He was moved with compassion and then he went to him. Did you get it? He was moved with compassion and then he went to him. Watch this. When he went to him, his compassion did not leave him a prisoner of his feelings and his emotions. It moved him into action. Unfortunately, too many people, you have compassion, but you're still at home. You have compassion, but you ain't done nothing. You have compassion, but you've arrested your compassion by sitting on your seat called do nothing. When you have compassion, compassion should move you into action. Holler at somebody behind your mask and say, do something. He didn't allow his compassion to sit idle. He actually did something with what he felt. You hold your own gifts hostage when you feel what you feel, but you don't do nothing with it. You are an enemy of your own future when you sit idle with all that you're feeling and you don't put that thing into action. The thing that bothers me right now, y'all pray for me, but I see it since Corona and the quarantine, everybody want to be, everybody wanna be Oprah. Everybody want to have a talk show. Everyone want to have conversations. Everyone about doing all this talking. I thought if they invite me to another Zoom, I'm going to Zoom out of here. If they invite me to another talk show, I'm through with talking. I'm tired of talking because all this talking ain't none of y'all doing nothing. Who's moving into action? Who's moving into, come on here, functionality? Who's going to cause manifestation to this conversation? Talk is cheap. What you gonna do? He moved into action. Next, after Samaritan moved into action, he, the first thing that he did, I love this Bible. The Bible says he stopped the bleeding by binding up the wound. First, he was moved with compassion. Secondly, he was moving to action. Thirdly, he stopped the bleeding. By binding up the wound. If you really want to display kindness, we got to start by stopping the bleeding. <laughs> I said start by stopping the bleeding. When you see someone bleeding, bind up the wounds and stop the bleeding. When you see someone suffering, figure out how can we get the bleeding to stop. After he got the bleeding to stop, the Bible says then he poured oil and wine in the womb. 
this is going to cause cleansing and healing. The wine acted as an astringent. The oil acted as a healing balm. This is symbolic to the work of the Holy Ghost, y'all, that he does both cleanse and he heals. Without the Holy Spirit, one can't really show or express kindness because there is no cleansing and there is no healing. Brothers and sisters, he poured oil and he poured wine, which tells us that if we're really going to be kind, we got to have some oil with us. Oh God. And we got to have some wine with us. Let me stop you drunkards. I said we got to have enough Holy Ghost in us that can cleanse you from your infirmities and your uncleanliness. Do you have enough oil in you that you can apply salve or balm to my infections and prevent me from having watch this, a staff infection because I came in contact with the staff of your church. Can you prevent me from getting even a further sickness or disease because because I came in contact with you. There are some people, y'all, that didn't have coronavirus. But by the time they got to that dirty hospital with all them germs in the hospital, they caught the virus after being in the hospital. I told some folks, if you sick and sleep, stay your behind home. Because you can get more sick in the hospital with all the viruses around there than you can in the house. Because there are sometimes we come in contact with the disease of the people who are trying to be helpful. Stop the bleeding. Pour some oil. Pour some wine into the wounds. And after the Bible says this street triage, <laughs> the Samaritan puts this strange Jewish man on his own beast. God help us. And uh, he began to deal with him like he was his friend. He took him to a hotel, y'all. And he let him lay there and he let him heal. Which means he transported him from danger to deliverance. God, I'm feeling good already. Look at your neighbor, act like you're the Sunday preacher, and say, neighbor, if you really want to help me, transport me from danger to deliverance. Because sometimes for seven witnesses, deliverance is a process we don't all get delivered overnight and at the snap of a finger it's going to take some time but grab somebody that you're able to touch and say neighbor be patient with me God is not through with me yet but tell him when God gets through with me I shall come forth as gold so in other words brothers and sisters patience is a major necessity to expressing kindness if you're going to be kind for people, you're going to have to be patient with people because people don't all heal at the same pace and rate. But turn to somebody and behind your mask and say, labor, God will do it. And I'm going to help him get it done. Not only did the Samaritan take care of the wounded stranger, but he took it just a little bit further. But when he woke up the next morning, he told the keeper of the hotel, I want you to take care of the man. In other words, he put him on the concierge floor. He let him have the buffet breakfast in the morning. Y'all quiet up in this church. He allowed him to have room service and told him, I'll pay the bill. He told the innkeeper, take care of this man. And if any bills incur when I get back, I'll pay that bill too. He took care of him. He was nice to him. What am I saying, y'all? I'm saying this, that the Samaritan brought the innkeeper into partnership with his kindness. Because sometimes you could be so kind that you could partner with other people and make them be kind too. So true kindness is partnership. I, in other words, I call Sister Robin. And I say, hey, Sister Robin, let's take our Sister Dawn to lunch. Come in partnership with me so we can be nice to somebody else. Y'all ain't never done that before? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, will you partner with me to be nice to somebody else? He said, whatever bill he incurs, I'll pay that bill for him. He brought him into partnership 
which also means being kindness is being able to be resourceful to be a resource in other words what i can do i'll find somebody else who can do it but i'll get it done for you as much as i can y'all stop this hateration and when somebody trying to climb their way up you want to at least make a phone call to get them to hook up stop this hateration now when somebody trying to get out the barrel you pull them back down instead of being a resource of them grab somebody by the hand only if you can touch them and say neighbor even if i can't do it i'll find somebody else who can come in partnership with me but tell them you're gonna get the help you need because that's a nice thing to do but i'm gonna bring you into wholeness i'm gonna bring you into victory i'm gonna make your day better because i'm nice like that and my subtopic today is i'm nice like that turn to your labor and say labor i'm just nice like that i don't hate on you i'm not jealous of you i'm not envious of you i'm nice like that i can speak to you if you don't speak back to me because i'm nice like that look at somebody and say just be nice just be kind the display of mercy is an act of god and maybe that's why some of us can't get mercy because we don't show no mercy but i believe this week my life is changing my character is turning i'm determined to be more nice i'm determined to be more kind because it's the right thing to do jesus turns around and tells the lawyer that had a smart mouth which of these three men are showing the mercy of god which of these three men was his neighbor the lawyer responded the one that showed the most mercy though he's not a jew he showed the most mercy but the part i like is jesus response to him was to go and do likewise in other words there's a command given do the same thing go be nice and that's what the lord is saying to crown today go do likewise go be nice find somebody and point your finger and say neighbor don't go preach go be nice find somebody said don't go and sing go be nice be nice to your family be nice to your children be nice to your co-workers find somebody give them a high five and say labor receive the anointing to be nice and when you be nice heaven shall reward you heaven shall bless you because it's nice to be nice i'm through with y'all i'll see you next week but get out your seat and tell somebody it's nice to be nice it's more important to be nice than it is to be important god wants us to be kind be generous be polite i'm trying to tell you that our world is going to hell but there's a few saints that said i am determined that my heart is fixed my mind my mind my mind is made up and i won't turn back why because the bible says present your body as a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not be not be not conformed be not conformed to this world but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Lay hands on your mind and say, mind, be transformed. Mind, be nice. Mind, be kind. If you believe it, if you receive it, share, share. I curse that spirit, that nasty spirit, that mean demon. Come out of you in the name of Jesus. That nasty spirit, that mean demon, that don't want you to talk, that don't want you to speak, that want to hold you hostage from your destiny, from your future. It pays to be nice. Everybody's standing. Lift your hands up and say, Lord, anoint me to be nice before I preach. Help me to be nice before I minister. Help me to be nice. Lord. Lord. I want the anointing to be. I want the grace to be kind, to be nice, to show and display the character of Christ. Online, here in the audience, in the congregation, I want to tell you today that God is putting all of us in a be kind and be nice season. I don't know about y'all, but when I grew up in God and the Holy Ghost was checking my character, he would take me through these seasons. It was like a course. And he would tell me, this is your be nice season. Well, I'm going to check you specifically to see if you speak to people, if you greet people, if you're nice to people, if you hold doors and you shake hands and you, you, you actually involve yourselves with somebody else's life and their well-being. Do you do it just to be in front? Or do you do it because it's a part of your nature? I remember he took me through a silent season where I couldn't talk. Shut, shut your mouth. Say nothing. I said, okay. He took me through a season of obedience. Will you do everything I tell you to do? And then he took me through this nice season where on purpose he was examining my character and how kind I would be. I'm bringing you into this course of what the Holy Ghost shared with me. He said, people won't receive me because my sons and daughters aren't nice. They don't want to be a part of the family because my people aren't kind. We can still preach against sin and be kind. We can, we, we can talk to people and say, you know what? God doesn't love that, but he loves you. And still be nice. What, what is it that's in you that's making you go there? Because it's not the person. It's you. Why do you have to be so short-tempered? Why do you have to respond with such shade? Why do you talk like that to people? Where did that come from? You're not nice. God wants you to be nice. He wants your character to change. He wants you to be transformed. And today, I'm after the thing that's in you that's preventing you from acting like him. It's got to come out. You got to act like him. For 30 seconds online in this sanctuary, I just want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, make me more like you. Lord, give me a heart like yours. 
Give me a mouth like yours. Give me a mind like yours. I want to be more. Like, I want to see it the way you see it. Change my perception. Change my thinking. Shift and adjust my ways. I want to be more like you. I respond shady. I respond with a short temper. I say things back when I should shut my mouth. But God, reveal to me what's in me that's making me less like you. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I'm tired of justifying it. and I'm tired of being okay with it. I'm, I'm tired of, of, of being okay with being this way. I'm more like my relatives than I am like you. But I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I'm more like the world than I am like you. But God, I want to be like you. I want to be more like you. Help me. Change me. Transform me. Are you saying this prayer today? I want to be more like you. Come on, say it again. Lord, make me more like you. Don't make me a greater preacher. Make me more like you. Don't make me a greater this or a greater that. Make me more like you. Before you make me a greater business person, an entrepreneur, make me more like you. Before you make me a better worker and a mother or a father, make me more, more like you. Before you make me a better person and go to church, make me more like you. I want to be more like you. Thank you that you're discipling me. Thank you for this discipleship, this training, this teaching. I receive it in Jesus' name. If you receive it, just lift those hands and begin to worship him all over this room. We're going, God, feel the Lord. I, I feel him transforming somebody's heart. I feel him transforming somebody's life. Somebody is being changed right here, right now. Ah, hallelujah. Today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I want to give you opportunity to commit your life and your ways to him. It's very simple, very easy. All you got to do is confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you can be saved, my brother, my sister. If you want to be saved today, I want you to raise your right hand as high as you can if you want to be saved. They're doing it in the sanctuary, online. Amen. That brother back there, look at these people. Somebody clap your hands because these people are ready to give their life to Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. It's real simple. You ain't got to do a whole lot. All you got to do is pray and the Lord will receive you because he's kind like that. The Lord is kind. I said the Lord is kind. He'll receive any one of us. The Lord is kind. He won't reject me. He won't leave me nor forsake me. Just say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Make me more like you. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that he died for me and he rose again. And now I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to this world. I'm yours, Lord. I'm your child. Thank you for receiving me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody praise God. That's it. That's it. You saved now. Oh, you saved now. Because the Lord is kind. Because the Lord is kind. Because the Lord is kind, I'm saved. Hey, hallelujah. Because the Lord is kind, I'm saved. The Bible says that heaven is rejoicing over one soul. Who gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're online, I want you to take it further. Text the word SAVE to 40691. Text the word SAVE to 40691. We want to stay in contact with you. We want to communicate with you. We want to bless you and pray for you. Because you're saved. One more time, y'all. Let's clap our hands for those who just... I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would love for you to do two things. One, subscribe to our show so you can receive notification of our most recent messages. Also, if this message has impacted you, you can click the link in the description and you can give now. We'll connect with you next time on Crown Ministries Podcast.